appreciate the good people at, um, thank you, the good people at Texas Values, appreciate this ministry, it's a powerful ministry, I'm honored to be a part of them, and uh, we hosted their uh, conference here just a few weeks ago, and had a great, uh, great time, appreciate Jonathan Sines and David Walls and the leaders of that, of that ministry. Again, we welcome you. We're really glad that you're here uh, today to worship the Lord with us as we study His Word. We're in a series of messages called The Church on the Move, and it's a study, really a verse-by-verse study of the book called The Acts of the Apostles. It is written by a medical doctor, a first-rate historian. I love this about Christianity. Christianity is not built on fables and myths and just uh, stories. It's built on concrete um, hardcore facts and data that can be verified and can be tested by faith, and we do, and Dr. Luke has given us, really he's recreated for us this narrative of what happened in the early church as it begins in its very embryonic fashion right there at Pentecost, and it just begins to blossom and and grow and reach all the way uh, to the uttermost parts of the earth, all the way to Arkansas, you know, Arkansas. You say, well, that was a slip, wasn't it? No. I love Arkansas. I lived in Arkansas for three years. There are people like Scott and Kelly Stamp who live in Bentonville. They attend the First Baptist Church in Bentonville, Arkansas. Kelly's dad's a pastor, and her and Scott, I, um, I guess it's okay to Facebook stalk them. I almost sent them a private message to let them know I'd be talking about them uh, today. They have three beautiful children. But in 2009, um, Kelly was pregnant with their firstborn, Harper. And immediately after she was born, they took her to the uh, NICU, the NICU. Anybody familiar with that? Anybody ever spent any time in NICU? Well, we have, and it is a very difficult place when your baby is born and you don't know if it's going to live, he or she is going to live or not. And that's where they were with this baby. And so, Um, The mom, Kelly, has this uh, blog, and and this blog is read by thousands of people. And so she went on the blog, and she uh, typed these words. She said, we need you to lift us up in prayer like you never have before. Harper is in critical condition. It is very, very serious. And the NICU doctor did not give us a favorable report. Scott and I know that God is sovereign. We know that he loves us. And listen to this next part. And no matter what, no matter what, we will praise God and we will be thankful uh, to Him. 30,000 people read that blog. Tens of tens of thousands of people began to pray for her. People began to show up at the Children's Hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma. People they did not even know we're showing up in the, in the waiting room saying, we read your blog and we just want you to know we're Christians and even though we don't know you, we, we are praying for you. Five people prayed to receive Christ after reading her story. And this story ends in a really good way. I saw her picture last night. Harper came through. God did a great work and she is alive and well today. When tens and thousands and Millions upon millions of people are praying. I'm telling you something. There is power in the prayers of God's people. God is sovereign. He is in control. And yet he invites us to to pray, to beseech him. No, he knows everything. And prayer, I know, is as much for us as it is anything because it gives us a voice, an opportunity to tell God 
that we really do believe in him and we're trusting him. And this is exactly what happened about 40 AD 40. That, that's the time frame. The Bible says that Peter, the apostle Peter, was put in prison. And on the next day, he would be executed, just like his good friend James was executed. You remember there were three in the Bible that Jesus spent most of his time with. That would be Peter, y'all want to help me? James and John. Those were the three. Of those three, just 10 years or so removed from the death of Christ, James would be beheaded with the sword, would be executed. Some of y'all want to stop me right there and say, talk to me about that, Mr. Brother Danny. I thought God was sovereign. I thought God cared. I thought God was in control. God's son spent three and a half years with this guy only to be executed by Herod Agrippa the one, the first. Explain that to me. I want, here, I've got the answer for you. Ready for it? I don't know. I don't know. There's so much I don't know. But I will share with you today what I do know. That God spared Peter. And Peter went on to do amazing things. When, hey, look, when you accept Jesus as your Savior and you go to heaven, you can ask him. <laughs> you can ask him, say, what were you thinking? What was happening there when, I mean, James was beheaded and yet Peter, you heard the prayers of the church for Peter. He lives and James dies. Look, if you, if you got to figure everything out, you'll never come. You'll never come. You have to humble yourself before God and say, God, I don't know. I don't understand. But this much I do know, you are God and I'm trusting. I think that's what prohibits more people than anything coming to Christ is pride. Our rationale, our intellect, our ability to reason, and, and, and it prevents us from having faith. Well, today I'm going to share this message with you. It's called God Intervenes, and I'm so excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. I've been praying, and, and I've got my points, and I've got my, I've got my passion, and yet I just know that unless God speaks to you, it's all in vain. <laughs> all the praying, all the fasting, all the study, all the memory, everything that I've put into, somebody say, well, how long did it take you to, how long did it take you to prepare that message? I want to tell y'all the answer. Y'all ready for this? 56 years. <laughs> That's how long it took. 56 years. That's how old I am. And uh, so I'm just going to give you my heart. I'm going to give you my best. And if God so allows me, I, I, Kathy, I was talking to you about this, Kathy Jones, my administrative assistant. I've been asked to preach the convention sermon in a couple of weeks. And that's, that's kind of a big deal. And I'm very, very honored that the Southern Baptist of Texas said, we want you to preach. I'll be right down the street. Is this north? Somebody help me. Okay, south. I want to go south to Hyde Park Baptist Church, my good friend Kai Bowman. Tuesday, November the 10th, I'm inviting you to come if you can get off work at 11 o'clock. But I'm really inviting you, and I may preach this sermon. I'm thinking about it. I'm praying about it. I may not. I don't know. I, I still don't know. But that night, we're having a prayer meeting at 645, and I want to invite you to come. November the 10th, 645, and uh, we're going to be a nation in need of prayer. I'm just telling. It doesn't matter who wins. There's going to be division. There's going to be hurt feelings. There's going to be probably some craziness. So we're going to meet together. Ronnie Floyd's going to preach that night. I'm going to have a little part in the prayer meeting with Kai and some other pastors. Really looking forward to it. And I hope you can come. 
Okay, do, 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 do. I've seen you move. Man, I like that song. And move the mountains. Y'all believe that? I believe. God will do it again. Oh, I love that. Love that song. Woo. Tell you, the guy that wrote that song, his dad's a really good friend of mine. It's strange, Mark. It's strange how the people you meet, um, Mac Brock wrote that song. At one time, just a few weeks ago, a few months ago, Jeff, he had, the, he had four of the top 10 worship songs in America. And, I, he, and his dad is a pastor, is a dear friend of mine in South Carolina. And we met when we were in seminary. Mac was just a little, little tot, little bitty fella. And so there he is, God's blessing and using him. All right, so here it is. This is this text. Oh, you know, I stopped in my study after a few verses and I said, I just can't preach verses one through 11. It'll just take too long. But I changed my mind and we're just going to preach it because next week all we're going to do is focus on the Lord's Supper. I'm going to preach little and we're going to worship much, observe the elements, and it's going to be an awesome time. All right, here we go. Now about that time... Herod, that's not Herod the Great, that's his grandson, Herod Agrippa number one. We'll talk more about him in a moment. He stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. James and John, the sons of thunder, the sons of, uh, of Zebedee. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Now, Great Hills Baptist Church, Acts 12, 5 is just one of those verses, all right? And Peter was kept in prison, but conjunction, junction, Here's your function. I love, I love these buts, however, on the other hand, in the Bible. And there's a bunch of them. I mean, things are bad. Things are dismal. The doctor's report is not good. The marriage is struggling. The kids are in a crazy way. Your parents are in a crazy way. Your grandparents are aging and you're fearful for their life. COVID-19 is out of control, pandemic, election. I just want to say something, but God, God is in control. Peter's kept in prison, but... I call it the prepositional power of prayer. Constant prayer was offered, preposition number one, to God, number two, for him, number three, by the church. Woo, church, that'll preach. Mm. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that means the next morning he was bringing him out, he will behead him. He will execute him just like he did James. That night, Peter was sleeping. Come, come, come now. How do you sleep when you're about to die? How can you have peace and comfort and tranquility in the midst of so much catastrophe and calamity? I'm telling you, when you got Jesus in your heart, you can lay your head on your pillow. You can rest. You can be at peace. That night, Peter was asleep. I still find this fascinating. Bound with two chains between two soldiers I'm going to explain this in just a minute. Don't, don't get all trying to mathematic on me, trying to figure this out. And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him. 
You say, well, that's the problem, Brother Dan. I don't believe in angels. I don't believe in these supernatural beings and that kind of stuff. I can't, I'm, I'm an empiricist. Can't see it, can't touch it, can't taste it, can't feel it. I just don't believe it. Look, 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 look. If you can't look with the eyes of faith, you'll never come to God. You'll never come to him. You must humble yourself and say, I don't understand it all, God, but I'm willing to believe. I'm willing to trust in you. If the Bible says it's an angel, it's an angel. If God says a big fish swallowed a man named Jonah, then a big fish swallowed a man named Jonah. If God said he raised his son from the dead, he did it. He is awesome. He is almighty God. An angel came and a light shone in the prison and he struck Peter on the side and said, get up, arise quickly. And his chains fell off of his hands. Then the angel said to him, get your clothes on, brother. Get, gird yourself, tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and he did not know that what was done by the angel was real. It's not a vision, not a trance, but thought he was seeing a vision, but he wasn't, right? When they were past the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of, now stay with me with the, Pro presenter PowerPoint, stay with me. This prepositional phrase is really interesting. Of its own accord is the Greek word automati. Isn't that cool? Guess what word we get in English from that? Automatic. Of its own accord is so cool. Sometimes it takes us uh, three or four English words to get just one Greek word, automati. It automatically opened up before them and they went out. And they went down one street and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, oh, watch out, now I know. I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. Here are the things I wanna share with you. Number one, trouble comes, troubles come. Yes, you're not exempt, I'm not exempt. Number two, the church prays. That's what we do. That's what we do best. That's what we should be doing best is praying. Number three, God gives us calm. He gives us a soothing. He gives us his presence. And he's, he's, it's like, I'm going to calm you in the midst of the storm, okay? And then finally, God intervenes. God, he always intervenes. I imagine on the, right on the eve, right on the precipice of James' martyrdom, that God gave him a supernatural grace of peace. And one pastor put it this way, God will, oh, who is this for? That's not in my notes, here it comes. God gives supernatural grace for dying days. Some young people are like, so I'm, a, I'm 15 years old and I got a hundred more years. Well, I'm not 15 and I'm looking toward the other side and I'm just, I'm just so glad and grateful to God that he will give you and me supernatural grace when we walk that way and we go into his presence. Well, let's begin with number one, troubles come. I don't think anybody would want to debate me at this point that troubles, <laughs> troubles do come. The Greek word kakosai, it means to harm, verse one, to hurt, to bring evil, to harass, and to injure. It is the AD 40s. Herod here is Herod Agrippa number one. 
He is the grandson of Herod the Great. When he was four years of age, his parents sent him to Rome. And when he went to Rome, he became friends with people who would eventually become the emperors of Rome. Isn't that amazing? People like Claudius and Gaius befriended this Herod and when they rose to power, they remembered him and they promoted him to power. Now, that's just politics. That's just who you know, right? Not so much what you know sometimes, it's who you know. And Herod, he was born in the right lineage. He was, he was a Jew by, by name only. He didn't really practice, didn't go to the temple, wasn't a godly man. He was a politician who all he was concerned about was remaining in power. And he was going to do everything, look, he was going to do everything in his power to remain in power, even if it meant killing Christians, and that's what he did, to appease Rome. Because what was happening now in Jerusalem and Judea and Galilee, there was a stirring going on. There was this, there was this rumor that some Galilean peasant named Jesus, that there's this rumor that he, that he died, and, and, and here's the big deal. He arose from the dead, and it's causing problems. Look, it's causing so much problems that good Jews are not good Jews anymore. They are fraternizing with the other people. Oh, with the Samaritans. Oh, with the, can I say it? The Gentiles. Oh, my word. What is the world coming to? And so now Christianity has broken out of the shell of Judaism and they lost their protection. You with me? They were protected for a while by Rome. But once they started hanging out with the Samaritans and the Gentiles, and really, I mean, the Jews were like, man, we are nothing to do with this new sect, S-E-C-T. And so now troubles come. Herod has killed James and now Peter in verse three, they seize or arrest him or capture him. The days of unleavened bread. What is that? That's the feast, right? And then that's the weekly feast right after Passover. Why is that so important? Why is Luke, why is he even telling us this? Here's why. Because the place is packed. Politicians, they like people. And so he's going to make a show. He's going to capture this moment. He's going to appease the angry mob. He's already killed James. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, church, this is the absolute truth. Peter is going to be executed unless God intervenes. That's the, that's the scenario. Verse four, the prison referred to here is, my, my, my. <laughs> this could be the Antonia Fortress. We didn't go there in 18, but we did go there in 2008, and we saw the Antonia Fortress named after Mark Antony. You said, now I've heard of that name before. And so what happened, the night that Jesus was captured, he was, he was placed in Antonia Fortress in a dungeon after he'd been beaten the next morning he would be crucified, and we were there. And I'll never forget, I was sitting in that dungeon, and they turned the lights out, and I was thinking, oh, my word. Our Lord could have very well been in this structure, in this place, and Peter was too. Because Peter is following in the steps of Jesus. He's been arrested. He's been incarcerated. He's placed in Antonia Fortress, also called the Praetorium, if you see that in the Bible. 
And that is verse four. Now, verse five, well, excuse me, verse four, I want to go, I want to make sure I, I touch base on this four squads. Let me, let me share with you what's going on here. In the prison, Peter is chained with his right arm to a soldier. And I want to tell you, he ain't no little man like me. All right, he's a, he's a big dude. I can just see this soldier next to Peter. On Peter's left arm, he's chained to another soldier. That's two of the four. Outside the, the door or whatever's enclosing them, there are two more big raw bone Roman soldiers standing there. Two of them here, one here with Peter, another one here as well. What happens every three hours, just because they don't want them to get sleepy, every three hours, they will change places. A new guy will stand here next to Peter's right hand. Another guy will stand here next to Peter's left arm, bound in chains, and two guys will be up there in the front. Four times, there's, th there's four hours. There's th four shifts, okay? Three, six, nine, 12. That's the night. So there's 16. Four times four, 16. Look, he ain't getting out, you remember Acts chapter five when they arrested the apostles and, and an angel came and let them all out and they went back out to preach? Well, Herod Agrippa said, I ain't doing that. We're not letting anybody touch this man and get him out and set him free. And so we're going to make sure that he stays incarcerated in prison until we kill him. Barring divine intervention, Peter's going to die. Let's stop right there. Trouble. Trouble, 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 trouble comes. Don't it come? Some of you are like, yes, it does. I tell you, Pastor, I'm so troubled. I don't remember when I've been so troubled. I'm so troubled over the pandemic. I'm so troubled over. I don't know about y'all, but aren't y'all going to be sad when the election commercials are no longer with us? I'm just, oh, oh it just breaks my heart to see them go bye-bye, you know? Vicious, vicious. And I approve this message. I'm sure you do approve this message. <laughs> Did y'all know there's a new disorder? It's called election stress disorder. No, I'm, I'm serious. In 2016, a doctor, I think he's a psychiatrist named Dr. Stephen Stosny, S-T-O-S-N-Y, said people are so overwhelmed over the Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump uh, election, they're stressed out, and it's amplified by the 24-hour news cycle. It's harming people's personal relationships. The key sign of the disorder is people do not merely disagree with others, but they devalue them, and it's causing stress with neighbors, with spouses, with families. And then he goes on to say this, but try not to get obsessed in 2020 because the human brain does not function well when it's obsessing about anything, but particularly about things out of your control. I thought that was a good word. All right? Don't stress about it. It's out of your control. Oh, watch this. I don't know if this guy's a believer or not, but he's, he's putting some truth on us. Late in life, or when you're on your deathbed, you're not going to regret disagreeing with whoever won the election. However... What you will regret is not being as compassionate and as kind as you could have been, especially to the people you love. Troubles come, right? Difficulty, hardship, pain. 
and the church prays. Wow. You know, Ashley, I'd almost forgotten. But I remember now, I remember two things that really going through my mind, racing through my mind. When we were told Bryant's not going to make it through the night, he's going to go into cardiac arrest, and he's not going to make it. And by the way, he didn't make it. He's 28 years of age. He's a pastor today. I'm telling you, God supernaturally intervened on our behalf, okay? And then Hannah, Hannah goes to Liberty University, and she's a freshman. That's where she's always wanted to go to school, and she's there. And we get this phone call saying your daughter has been in a, in a terrible car accident. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe it's not that bad until Hannah calls me and says, Dad, I've been in a wreck. I'm in the hospital. I cannot feel my legs. I'm, I'm paralyzed. And I remember I, I literally dropped to my knees. No parent ever wants to hear that. I literally dropped on my knees and I was crying out to God saying, God, please, please, please. And to this day, I'll never forget. There were men at the church that I was serving as a pastor. First Baptist Church in Lebacum. Our executive pastor called the men of the church. I don't know why he didn't call the women too. I would have been happy to have the women praying too, but he just said, I'm calling all the men I know. And they ran to the altar. They got on their knees and they cried out to God. God, please help us. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on our pastor's family. God, please heal Hannah. I don't know if y'all have seen Hannah or not, but she's large and in charge right now. She's got a baby. She's what? <laughs> I'm sorry, Hannah. I didn't mean to say that, but you know, you know what I'm saying. You're big here, baby. You're big here. You got this baby. And she's walking around. If you see Hannah, she walks like this. I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm carrying this thing, Dad. It's, he's, she's heavy. And she rolls around. And I'm telling you, God's people pray. God does things. Now, I know people were praying for James. I know they were. And in God's sovereignty, and I don't understand it all, please, look, you can press me, you can email me, you can text me, and I'm going to still tell you the same thing. I don't know. I don't know everything about God. I'm still learning. There's so much I don't know. But this I do know, oftentimes, he will intervene. And he did for my daughter, and I'm so grateful to God. Constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. When you see this verse uh, five, when it says um, constant prayer, did y'all see that? That's an interesting word. The Greek word is ektenis. It's the word that really constant is a weak translation. It should be strenuous, prevailing, stretching every fiber of your being. I don't know if you see these guys that run races and they're right at the end, at the, at the end where they're trying to cross the finish line first, they, they ectene, they, they strain, they stretch every fiber. That's the word. That's the, kind, that's the kind of intense prayer that the people of God are praying for the man of God imprisoned for preaching the word of God. It's the same word, if you're interested, in Luke 22, 44, when it says, and being in agony, he prayed more ectenus. Jesus did. 
Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. It's the same concept in Luke chapter, excuse me, James chapter five, verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another. Come on, church. That's what we do best. It should be what we do best. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer. And I thought to myself, well, surely this is ectene, but it's not. It's energeo. Yeah, how about that? where we get the English word energy. The energetic prayer of a righteous man avails much. So I do want to invite you again, sincerely. November the 10th, 645, Hyde Park Baptist Church. I would love for a bunch of Great Hills people to show up. I just think that would be really cool. I'll say, we're here. We're ready to pray. We're praying for our our nation. We're we're praying for our uh, city. It's going to be a big, it's going to be some serious praise and worship. Pastor Ronnie's going to preach the word. We're going to be praying, calling out to God. And I'm looking, looking forward to it. Hope you can come. The next thing I want to share with you in my message is so fun, is God calms. In verse six, <laughs> Peter's asleep, no Benadryl, no Ambien, no Lunesta, not even any melatonin. He's asleep. By the way, I take all of that and just judge me if you want to. You can judge me. It's amazing I get up and I don't take it every night. Yeah, I do. (laughs) I take Benadryl and melatonin every night. And when I really got to sleep, I I take that other one. Maybe maybe Peter's asleep and he's so calm. Oh, watch this. Because Jesus told him in John 21, 18, Peter, when you're old you'll die. Y'all with me? He's not that old. He knows he's got probably a couple more decades, so he's like, I'm not worried about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not worried. I don't know. Don't y'all love people like that? They, they drive me crazy. They, I'm not worried about that. Please worry. Worry with me. Let me worry with you. No, no, I'm not worried. You believe God? Yeah, yeah, I believe God. Then why are you worried? People like that bother me. I'm telling you, they bother me. <laughs> I'm not there. I'm, I'm, I know I'm not there. Or maybe it's Acts 5:19. He's already seen this. He's already seen this show once. They're in prison. Angel comes. They get out. And he's like, "I'm not worried. I'm asleep. God's got this." Ooh, is that a good word for us today? On the eve of the election, every four years they say this is the most important election in our lifetime. I'm like, okay, I believe it. Every year, every four years. And, and the people of God, we pray, we trust God, we serve God, we do what God wants us to do. We don't worry. We, we should not worry about this nation. God, if, if God is anything, God is sovereign and he's in control. You know what the Holy Spirit impressed with me this morning? I'm driving down the road and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, what about this? What about that? Jesus said, quit worrying about it, I'm coming. You say, God, don't talk to you like that. I don't think it was the devil talking to me. And I pressed the Lord in prayer. I said, do you mean like soon? And I heard nothing after that. <laughs> no impressions, no nothing. But the, I really felt in my spirit, Jesus said, don't worry about it, I'm coming. I was like, amen. That's, that's awesome. I know he is. Could be in our lifetime. F.F. F. Bruce, I love it. One of my favorite writers said, Peter had a good conscience and a quiet confidence in God. 
He slept soundly in prison on the eve of his execution, chained between two Roman soldiers with two posted outside, four more ready to come in, and God gave him supernatural peace and grace and calm. Lastly, I want to share with you, this is so fun, verses 7 through 11, God delivers. An angel of the Lord comes to Peter's aid. And I think there's a direct link, Great Hills Baptist Church, and every believer listening to me online or wherever you may be, there's a direct correlation link between verse 5 and verse 7, praying by the church, delivering by God. There's a direct correlation there. Peter's deliverance was supernatural. An angel came. You know, Scripture says in Hebrews 1.14, these angels are the real deal. Y'all ever read this verse in the Bible? Is it in your Bible? It's in my Bible. And are they not? Are they, angels, that's the context, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? That means God's got angels dispatched on our behalf and they do stuff for us that we don't even know about. Isn't that cool? Look, if you don't know God, you need to know God and get, get Jesus in your heart and get some angels on your side. How about that? I never preached that before. I never, I never preached that verse before. Isn't that cool? Verse 8, the angel is very specific. I love this. Peter, get up. Ooh, let me tell you something. Holy Spirit moment. When I was studying that, it's like the Holy Spirit was telling me, this is what happens in salvation. I said, tell me more, Lord. Tell me more. You're in prison. You're chained. You're in bondage. And the Holy Spirit of God, he comes and he says, wake up. Woo. Wake up. And you're like, what is going on? I'm dead. I'm dead in trespasses and sin. And the Holy Spirit comes to you and he reveals to you the glory of Jesus and the depravity of your sin. And I want to tell you something. You have a decision to make. You have a decision to make. When Jesus comes, he knocks on your door. Do what Peter did. Just say, okay, here we go. I don't understand everything that's going on, but I'm going with it. I'm walking that way. I'm really, the Lord impressed on me. This is the gospel. It's what you studied in Connect Group today. You studied the gospel. You studied the death of Jesus Christ, his resurrection, his appealing to you and to me, summoning us, beckoning us to say, repent and believe, receive Christ. Be born again by the Spirit of God. Well, I don't understand everything, brother. And once I get it all figured out, then I'll surrender to God. Then I'll walk with God. Then I'll do what God wants me to do. But you may never have that opportunity. You may never. What does God owe you? Anything? He didn't owe you anything. That he would be so gracious to you and to me to give you this opportunity to be saved. If I were you, I'd just say, okay, I'm in. I'm in. God delivers again. Oh, my God delivers again. Oh, I got something good to share with y'all. Oh, Jeff, my favorite hymn. I think it's my favorite hymn. 1738, Charles Wesley. And can it be? Do you know that hymn? Good night. Let's sing that song sometime, Jeff. Help me get it, get it ready. I'll, I'll come up here and sing it with you. The fourth stanza, and I'm going to read it to you. Many people believe Charles Wesley, y'all know that name? John Wesley's brother, founder of the Methodist denomination. Charles Wesley, I could 
quote a lot of Christmas carols. You've sung them. You know Charles Wesley if you don't know him. And the fourth stanza, many people believe he had Acts chapter 12, our text, before him when he wrote these words. Night, Lord, thank you. Fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke. The dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Wow. That's the gospel. Charles Wesley got it right. That God, no other religion has a God dying for them, but thou, my God, didst die, old English, for me. Mm. Well, verse 9 and 10, Peter thought he was dreaming, seeing a vision. I think Peter fully anticipated waking up and still being chained. I, I do, because he's not, he's just like, I'm going along with the ride. I think I'm still asleep. I don't know what's happening here, but... When he wakes up, verse 10, he's, he's out the cell. Ultimate, gate is open. Then verse 11, he goes, this is no dream, no vision. But God has delivered me. Ooh, can I give you all a good word here? I don't have many original, but here's, here's one. And I probably got this from somebody. Oh, I'm looking at my notes. I did. Shoot. I thought I had the original thought. John MacArthur. A prison cannot keep in <laughs> those God intends to bring out, not just physically, but spiritually. A few weeks ago, I was preaching on Acts chapter uh, 9, and this was Paul's conversion. I introduced to y'all a man. I want to share one more thing about this man, Sundar Singh. Sundar Singh is an Indian. He was converted to Christ. Very dramatic. Everybody's conversion, if you ask me, is dramatic. But some have some dramatic accoutrements to it. I mean, some interesting things are going on in his life, and he's saved. And he starts preaching the gospel. And Sundar Singh finds himself up against a Buddhist monk, a lama, is what they call him, L-A-M-A, a lama. That doesn't sound right. Yeah, it is right, a lama. I think of an animal, anyhow. They call him a llama. And they said, we're putting you in prison. And they did. They put him in a dungeon. They lowered him down. His arm was broken. And they, they lowered him down. And when he got to the bottom of the dungeon, true story, Sundar Singh, Indian. He was born in 1889, died in 1929 in the Himalayan mountains. When he got to the bottom, he looked around. And he saw a bunch of skeletons. And he thought, this is, this is legit. This is where I die. Three days. Three days he prayed. And he looked up and he, he said, something's going on at the top. And he could tell somebody was opening the top, the roof, the lid, or whatever it was that was covering that hole. And next thing you know, he sees a rope dangling down from the top. And a voice says, 
tie yourself with this. So he ties his body with this rope. And next thing you know, y'all with me? He's, he's coming out of the, of the dungeon. He didn't know if this is, he's three days, hasn't eaten. He sees all these bones and skeletons. And when he gets to the top, the figure pulls him, sets him down. And while he's getting the rope off of him, he can hear this person putting the, the covering back over the, the entrance to the, to the dungeon. And when Sungar Singh, when he, when he stands up to thank the guy, there is no guy. The guy's gone. Sundar Singh went immediately to the very square, the very place where he was arrested and he started preaching the gospel. Somebody told the Lama, the Buddhist monk, they said, you remember that guy you put in prison to die? He ain't dead. He's out there preaching the same message. True story. The Lama said, that's impossible. Somebody, okay, Somebody must have stolen my key and let him out. And they said, but Lama, the key is on your girdle. <laughs> and it was. I don't know about you, but I believe in angels. I believe in demons too. And I believe that greater is he that is in you, child of God, than he that is in the world. I believe Jesus is coming. Oh, I've dreamed about it. Serious. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I've dreamed about it. My great-grandfather, that's all he preached about was the second coming. Wouldn't it be cool if Jesus came in your lifetime? <laughs> like, oh, I don't know about that, Brother Dan. You're making me nervous, but... It may be another 10 months before he comes. It may be another 100 years before he comes. But the Bible, they all talk about it. They're like, he's coming, he's coming. And if he was coming soon, 2,000 years ago, he's coming really soon now. So see if y'all can remember what we talked about today, all right? Four things, four simple things. Trouble, 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 trouble what? Trouble comes. And as a result of trouble coming, oftentimes the people of God, we complain, we sin. Now, what do we do? Pray. God does what? Oh, you got it. Somebody said he calms. He Is anybody here receiving that? You receiving the calm of God, the peace of God, the tranquility of God? And then God delivers. Father, we love you so much and we're grateful, grateful for the word of God. It's living, it's active. Lord, we believe it at Great Hills. There's so much we don't know. And I can speak for myself, Jesus, so much I don't know. But I do, I do love you and I trust you. Where else do I go, Lord? Who else, who else do we turn to? Father, we pray in the name above every name, Jesus, and in the power of the Holy Spirit for salvation to come today. Today would be the day that he is set free, Lord that she comes to faith in Christ, saving, genuine, saving faith. Lord, for those that are listening, I just want to speak to you, friend, as you're, you're there online, and many of you would love to be here, but you're still, you're still at home. And, and I just want you to know we miss you, and we say God bless you, and we respect you, and, and we just ask you to continue on with us. Keep praying, keep serving in the ways that you can. 
really, 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 I think, I think today's a day of salvation. I, I really do. I think somebody's going to get saved. And Lord, I pray that if it's your will, I know I'll meet them in heaven, but if it's your will, let me meet them on earth. And that we might be able to disciple and encourage. Lord, we love you. And I just love this church. God, I'm so grateful for Great Hills Baptist Church. I'm just so thankful, God, for these people. They're very generous, very kind, and very forgiving. And I'm just very, very appreciative of that, Lord. Because I need it all, Lord. I need grace, multiplied grace and mercy upon my life. Oh, who are you? Save them, oh God, save. Heal, oh God, heal. Help. Help, Lord, this marriage. Please help this marriage. Lord, we pray that you would be glorified in what you're about to do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm so excited we get to sing again. I know it's, oh goodness, it's not 1230. I thought for sure, look, I can't preach 11 verses. It takes me a long time. But we did 11 verses. We still got just a little after 12. And what we're doing at Great Hills right now is we are, we're doing things differently. We have since March or whenever we came back in June is we stand, we still have the invitation, but our counselors, our biblical counselors are in the great hall. And if you feel compelled and you want somebody to pray with you and, and quiet and mask, maybe if you need to wear a mask, then that happens right out there in the great hall. The rest of us, we're just going to be standing here. We're going to be praising the Lord with Jeff and the gang, <laughs> praising God, worshiping. It's so fun. And then right after this time, Ashley and I, we're going to go out in the coffee shop and we're going to meet our first-time guests. We're so excited. We had so many first-time guests last week. They tell me that one guest waited 45 minutes to talk to me. And I'm like, ooh, I'm sorry. So we want to do a better job. And so we're going to be out in the coffee shop. And so we're going to try to meet our guests and, and greet you. 14 came last week. Nobody may come today. It's just the way it goes. But if you are a guest and you would like to meet with me and my wife, we have a gift for you. We'd love to encourage you and get to meet you. Oh, this, this is one of my favorite parts, Jeff. We get to sing praise to God. Will y'all stand with me? Let's sing praise to the Lord. Jeff, y'all come and lead us. And we'll continue to worship the Lord.